WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guest is the cartoonist behind such books as Darth Vader and Son and Batman and Robin and Howard, as well as Loved and Lost, a relationship trilogy out June 14th. Jeffrey Brown. Welcome, Jeffrey. Hi. Hello. So, uh, Jeffrey, Star Wars Day is coming up as we're recording. Uh, it'll be in the past by the time it releases. But nevertheless, uh, are you, given how tied, you know, part of your career is to Star Wars now, are you doing any promotional stuff for it or maybe just treating your kids to a new Lego set? Um, yeah, no, I, I usually order, I usually go on and order um, Legos, but you know, like they've like my older son has stopped building Legos and my younger son now it's like he builds them. <laughs> they just sit there. So I might I might be the year for me to just uh, get something for myself. Ooh, and okay. the, the kids are on their own. Um, and other than that, yeah, it's this Saturday. I'm doing kind of a online workshop thing with um, uh, Casa Thomas Jefferson in Brazil. Hmm. So it'll be just kind of drawing and talking about Star Wars and yeah, mostly just drawing, drawing Star Wars stuff. So is that for Star Wars Day or for free comic book day, which is that's also for, this Saturday? Yeah, that's for Star Wars Day. And I actually don't have plans this year for a free comic book day. So I don't um, not having anything new out at the moment. The last thing being the, the Star Wars Christmas book, which seems a little weird to promote in may i mean just in time for mother's day yeah <laughs> jesus what a, what a culturally dense week yeah, yeah. it really is oh, dr strange is out to, too yeah cinco de mayo i mean that's that's cultural for a value of you know actual culture and not just nerd culture yeah, uh, yeah. And, al- and also it's my son's birthday which is only locally important but still and the anniversary of the day i met my wife <laughs> there we there we go like again a dense week all around <laughs> so kind of thinking about you know we're gonna be talking a lot about uh the uh collection of, of the relationship trilogy which uh you know was first published or the first book of it was published 20 years ago and how these things come full circle you know uh you mentioned dune a few times in these strips uh and now just in the past few months there's there's a new dune you know uh film or or film zoology have you seen the 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 new dune i have i have i and i i like there's a lot of things i like about it um i mean visually it's great the cast is great um it's probably, you know, closer to the books. Um, but I have just such a, like a, like a attachment to the David Lynch version, like whatever David Lynch thinks, like, I, I disagree. Like that movie just holds a special place of like, it's just so weird. And, and like, I don't know. I, so I love it. Um, um, yeah, but I, I, I enjoyed the new one. Although I, like, I, I was unaware that it was two films. So I was like, man, they're going to cram a lot into this last half hour. And then, then it dawned on me like, oh no, it must, it must be to be continued because. That would have been a whole lot for half yeah. an hour. Yeah. Instead, no, they're going to milk a lot out of these last two and a half hours. <laughs> Whenever the sequel comes out. Yeah. Dense ass book. Dense ass book. It, 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 it 
feels natural for it to need to be X number of hours long. Yeah. This one is not making The Hobbit three movies. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So uh, we'd like to ask our our first time guests, you know, what are some of the first uh, comics you remember reading? And that obviously includes, you know, comic strips and, and, and the like. Yeah, I mean, um, well, as far as comic strips goes, Garfield was like my my first favorite comic. And I used to actually just cut out the, the strips from the newspaper and paste them into a scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the collection, so <laughs> this is somewhat <laughs> redundant. But um, and then, you know, later, Farside, Calvin the Hobbes, Bloom County. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, but you know, for like comic books, um, X-Men was probably my first favorite. Um, and I was always a more of a Marvel reader. So it was um, also Fantastic Four. And um, uh, like, I really liked Walt Simonson's Thor run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I was somewhat into Spider-Man, but like, I feel like there was like such a lot of Spider-Man. So most of my Spider-Man was Secret Wars related. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you do you remember your first X-Men story by any chance? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I so I remember because it's it's an odd issue to have like be like the like the one that like got me hooked, but it's it's 192. So it's John Romita Jr. Okay. Um and it's 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 kind of like a nothing lot it's kind of like an interstitial between stuff happening um Mm -hmm. and you know it's uh rogue um colossus and nightcrawler are kind of like just you know off training playing like play battling each other and then um and then uh warlock wait so wait no now i'm getting confused is Warlock the dad or Warlock has who's the new Warlock's the, the, the son and Magus right. is the dad. Magus. Magus. Magus? Magus. Magus. It's the, the same thing with Adam Warlock. Should, that was created I, as a tribute yeah, to I should, Warlock. I should know these things, um, obviously. But but yeah, so and then so then there's a whole bunch of stuff with that. Um, and then at the like Wolverines in like two panels, and then at the end, Professor X gets a brick thrown at his head. Um, and, but there, like, I, I don't know why it stuck with me, but, and the reason I bought it was because I had enough to buy. So issue 193 was out and it was at the little spinner rack. Okay. Yeah. But it was a dollar 25 because it was a double sized issue. And I was like, I can either buy issue 193 or I can buy 192. And I think, I feel like there, I don't know if it was an issue of thing or if Thing was like had his own series yet or Fantastic Four or what what the other comic I bought was. But I was like, I can buy two issues if I buy, you know, 192 instead of 193, even though 193 had like the way cooler cover and like mm-hmm. way more action. Um, so yeah, and that was like the first time I bought comics, but like with my own money. Mm-hmm. You were a smart shopper, you're getting that value. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you are are mainly here to talk about the release of the collected uh, Love and Lost Relationship Trilogy, which is out June 14th from uh, IDW's Top Shelf imprint. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the solicit blurb for the listener. 
a pioneer of graphic memoirs, Loved and Lost, a relationship trilogy, captures the stories of a young, not yet famous cartoonist, uh, Jeffrey Brown, as he attempts to navigate young love. Starting with his first work, Clumsy, Brown struck a chord with readers and poured his painfully honest writing into two follow-ups, Unlikely and Any, any, any Easy Intimacy. Uh, now collected into one volume for the first time, Loved and Lost, a Relationship Trilogy chronicles the awkward mess of romantic relationships with painful honesty and unsparing detail. Aiming to make something real, Brown's work reflects the fragmentary nature of memory, the risk of opening ourselves up to pain, and the giggly rush of falling in love. So were you looking to revisit these works personally, or was this a thing where, you know, you got an email one day from the folks at Top Shelf that was like, uh, 20th anniversary is coming up, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that's, that has come up periodically, um, either between Top Shelf or readers, or just sometimes I've thought about it over the years, like of just collecting them in one volume and kind of re-releasing them into the world. Um, and then I had thought about it less and less as I you know, got more into doing Star Wars and I was doing a lot of kid stuff and time continued to pass. Um, and then, yeah, and then Chris Daros like kind of nudged me a, a couple of times and I was like, yeah, I probably should, you know, just do something. Um, and so, yeah, finally managed to get it together and um put it out there or well we will put it out there um but it you know it's it's not something that like i would say i'm revisiting because i want to re <laughs> revisit them per se yeah and and you know that's that's you know looking back on these these 20 year old comics you know you when you're drawing them while you're still in art school etc you know what what kind of goes through your head I mean, it's just, it's kind of surreal, like, because the, um, there's the side that the, when I was writing the comics, I was writing about someone who, like, at the time, I felt like I'm writing about someone I, who was from the past, and I'm not that, per, exactly that person anymore. Um, although now, like, I feel like I'm looking back, even, and it's even longer period of time. And so, there's the distance I have from myself as the creator and then the vaster distance that I have from myself as the person that the stories are about. And so it's just, it's just kind of surreal in that sense. And the other thing that, and I've, I've noticed this over the years since doing the books where the something about making the the comics and having them kind of ha have the success that they did and people writing to me about them the my memories kind of became tied more to the comics than the actual events and so there's like weird there's weird disconnects with memory <laughs> happening too where where i mean some of the things like like when I was going through the files and, and I was trying to not look too closely because it's also, um, it's strange to just relive the past embarrassing moments um, as much as I've tried to own those over the years. But um, it's, it, it's weird to like encounter things that, that not only do I not remember drawing those as part of the comics, like I don't, like there's a couple things where I was like, 
oh, I totally forgot about that happening. And, you know, just little details here and there. And um, so it is, it is kind of a, a strange thing to look back at that work as, you know, like I said, especially the last 10 years have, have been, you know, so much about <laughs> Star Wars and, and other kids books. Um, were you were you drawing these or had you started drawing these while you were in the relationships or were these all sort of postmortem is not the right word, but, you know, looking back? Um, the only one that I wrote while I was still in the relationship was Clumsy. And, um, and when I started writing it, so I, when I started writing it, I was in the relationship and was writing about things from earlier in the relationship and then the relationship ended and then there was, I had to decide if, you know, if I want to finish it or, or just like abandon it because now the relationship's over not, but I, you know, I wasn't right. I didn't feel like I was writing it for any purpose of commemorating the relationship or maintaining the relationship. I was just interested in stories about real life and, um, and so the, what happened with clumsy was I, the ending changed from what I had planned by the, by the time I got to the end. So how did you choose to order the strips? They're not chronological in the you know, nature of the relationship. Are they chronologically based on how they were drawn? Did you labor over it for some thematic reason? Or did you just sort of like, okay, let's just put this one, this one, this one. Um, yeah, so it was somewhat, somewhat random on a level, on one level, but, it, but there was a lot of deliberate arrangement. Um, so I knew I wanted to start the book with like the beginning of the relationship. And then it was just finding a rhythm of things. And I was there in the order I drew them, but I was thinking about like what story I'm going to draw next um, because the book I actually drew it in a in a blank sketchbook so it's it's actually like like I just trying you know this page the next page and the next page and um, being in art school my idea was as opposed to like the mass produced superhero comics where there's thousands of copies like there would just be this one hand-drawn copy of a of a comic um, and then it, but then when I showed it to friends, they, they seemed interested enough that it, like, I felt like, okay, I should at least print up some Xerox copies. And then those led to like self-publishing and then those led to working with, with top shelf. So, um, but yeah, I, I, so the first few, I kind of just wrote, like, I, I knew I was like, I'll start with this beginning and this is kind of the next thing. And then, um, I would just kind of think about what fit next to each other. So just to try and capture the ups and downs of, of a relationship. So, you know, I didn't want to put all the, the sad stuff right, right in a row, or, you know, I didn't want to put too many, like, there's like happy moments that are more meaningful. And then there's happy moments that are just kind of like funny and there's sweet moments. So it's just, I don't know. I just had a, tried to find a sense of like what felt natural um, in terms of how we kind of process 
thinking about relationships in our memories where we don't, you know, like we don't think about our relationships as like, like chronologically, like think they jump around some. Thinking about Clumsy specifically, you know, that book included a lot of air travel, obviously, because, you know, dealing with a long distance relationship, you know, so you and Teresa are, are flying back and forth to see each other. This all happened pre 9-11. And then the book itself was originally published in 20, you know, 2002, mm-hmm. by which point, you know, we'd all become afraid of flying and people blowing up planes with their shoes and underwear and whatnot. You know, do you remember whether that clouded perceptions of the book at the time of release, like people just saying, oh, you couldn't go past that gate now or, you know. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because I, that's something that never, that never really came up. I, I think, I think more what people connected with was just the, the overall idea of, of a long distance relationships sure. yeah. and those struggles of, of, you know, communication and, and closeness and, um, you know, just, just all those things rather than the, the specifics of air travel. So it's interesting. Cause like, it's, it's something I never thought about. The one thing I think about is, is how there's lots of talking on phones with cords <laughs> and having to, having to be home to get, answer a phone call, which <laughs> just, just seems like so antiquated at this point. It, it is absolutely, you know, I, I think I was, I was sort of hung up on like the old tropes you'd see in TV shows and movies of like people running through the airport to like try and stop their, mm-hmm. you know, girlfriend from getting on the plane and making the biggest mistake of their life. Well, you know, that, that's sort of a thing, but yeah, no, there's, there's something sort of, you know, especially for, for people of our age sort of seeing like, I, I think the most absurdist example is like Napoleon Dynamite taking the extra long, long phone cord into the next room to have like a private phone conversation. But uh-huh. yeah, like that, the, the, that landline technology. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so ha- have, have your exes actually seen these comics? Um, yes, they, they have all seen them. <laughs> How, like how they feel about them now, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Teresa, I was showing as as I wrote it, um, so she was seeing it as it was made, um, and then um, the other two relationships were I. Um, one, one was found out about, found out about it later. And the other one, um, knew about the other books. So was somewhat prepared for (laughs) the existence of it. Um, and then read it later, but uh, you know, it's, I, I, I'm not in touch with any of them really. And so for better or worse, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe part of it is just fear. Like I, I always try to, to be um, less sparing of myself than anyone else in the stories. But I know from, from people reading them that, that that's, that's not always how they viewed it, which is um, so I, I would hope that they all, uh, you know, 
have have some acceptance of the the val or feel like the books have some value beyond um the fact that they're about specific real people sure yeah and 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 certainly you know over time your 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 family's been part of your work etc you know do do people in your life operate with the understanding that they could end up in a comic you know sort of like uh that sign you see before you walk into the convention that says by entering you consent to being filled yeah i mean there there are times when when I've had upfront conversations about people who, you know, like there's, there's, there are times where it was like, okay, this thing you are not going to write about. And, um, but usually it's, it's also, I, I think um, things have changed in my, in my work over the years, like where once, once I finished those three relationship books, I kind of moved away from, that subject and there's lots of short form pieces that mm-hmm. that deal with relationships or more personal stuff um but yeah i think so i think on the one hand you know i, I i'm at the t- like 15 years ago it was like that's what i was known for whereas now um, I'm known for Star Wars or sure. Yeah. Um, so so I think now I people don't have the same ex- expectation. I mean, I think there is also there's also people who are like, oh, it'd be cool to be like part of a comic. Um, I I'm I'm assuming, I don't know. I like I always get a kick when other cartoonist friends like draw a little comic and I like make an appearance and I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, but yeah, and, and I, I've also become, I think, more reserved in, in how I write about things, uh, partially just from age and partially like, I mean, especially having, having kids, like the stakes are a little different. And so, you know, I, like I did the one book, um, it's funny things that my son Oscar had said and for that book, we, I went through with him and like, he okayed every, every page that was going to be in the book. So, although now he's 15, so I don't know how he (laughs) he feels about some of them now, but it's too late. Um, They're in the world. You just literally hit my next question. I was going to ask specifically about that book because I love that book and the, the strip on the back cover, the clothes, it tastes like human clothes kills me every time. If, yeah, I'm having I, a rough day. It's like, oh, clothes. It tastes like human clothes. Now I feel better. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the re- reasons why I wanted to write that book was just to write something nice that was, you know, like I'm using real life still, but you know, it's there's not the all the drama and heavy thinking and feeling that that comes along with the uh, the autobiographical work I'd done so much of before. Um, yeah, and I'm actually so my younger son Simon, I've I've I kind of did the same thing with him, but I've just been posting those on Instagram and um and so that was that that's been fun. And um yeah, they're they're just I they're just like cheer they cheer me up. 
um, like just like those silly, like weird things that um, you just don't like have no idea where their, their brains came up with them. Um, getting, getting back to, to relationship trilogy, you know, you drew yourself naked a lot in the, in the early days, in those early comics. Uh, how much did all those little dots of hair slow you down? Um, weirdly, I, I feel like they didn't slow me down too, too much. I like, um, it's almost like those were like the fast fun things to draw, which is, I don't know, like, I, I think it, it goes back actually to X-Men because I, one of the things I was, I love drawing Wolverine, but I love drawing like hairy arms on Wolverine. So, so it's just, for me, it was like, just like, I mean, obviously um, I am not Wolverine and certainly not in those stories, but um, there's something that there's like some connection there between, you know, um, drawing, drawing the hair on Wolverine and, and, and drawing it on myself. So it was more like, it's one of those things where it's, there's kind of a meditative enjoyment out of it that, um, that it, like, it's just, even, I, maybe it does slow me down and I just don't realize it because it doesn't feel like it. So, well, I mean, it's also, I mean, when you draw a thing over and over again, you also probably mm -hmm. develop a shorthand for it. So, yeah. Do you still have the, the originals, the original strips pages, like somewhere yeah. socked away in a, in a filing cabinet? Yeah. So I just, I just have them in a box in a box here in my studio. Um, I mean, so, so all three of those books I wrote and, and drew in like one each each had its own sketchbook mm -hmm. um which makes it easy to like keep it all together and and there was a time early on where people would ask if i was you know selling individual pages and i was like dude like i don't think i can like take the like as much as there were times when when the money would be nice like i the idea of like taking the books apart to sell the pages like just mm -hmm. didn't didn't feel wouldn't feel right so yeah, so I still have those. Um, in general, I'm not someone who like. There's some artists who they want to keep all their work and like they like for whatever reason, whether it's to revisit it or um, they just feel like some kind of connection, like it needs to stay with them to to be able to continue to create. And I've never been like that. So, um, but those are three books where. If, if they are, if they're ever going to leave my possession, it's going to have to be like a, the exact right place and time and way. <laughs> sure. When looking at these to be reprinted, this is your early work. Did you think about possibly going in and, you know, tidying <laughs> stuff up? Your style is so recognizable here, but it's obviously evolved or to, to, use a phrase that would be familiar from, from your other work, were you afraid to get accused of Lucasing your work? <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I've never, I mean, there are many things I'm afraid of, but um, I was, I, I don't think I would be afraid of, of what like other people would think if I changed something. Um, but my, my feeling is is to not 
like like once I've once I've, I've finished a work, I've I've moved on, um, and so even even this was was there was some difficulty in in just like getting the files together and making decisions about um, you know like how they're going to be arranged to fit in one one book and you know like there's you know interstitial pages that might have to get cut here and there and I didn't really. I didn't really want to alter anything. So like the, the afterward and the thank yous are all kind of like, like I felt like there are way more people to thank at this point, but I just kind of kept it to what was in the originals as much as possible. And so the, and the same thing goes with, with the art and, um, and of course, one of the, one of the aspects of the art, the, one of the ideas that I had was like, so like the book is called clumsy because it's about being clumsy in a relationship. Like you just, you just mess up all the time and you can't help it. Um, and so that's kind of how I tried to draw it was just like, just letting those mistakes and flaws just sit on the page. Um, so I think like, it would be hard to, to go back and change one thing, um, and I even thought about like, like rescanning the pages um, because I drew on both sides of the pages in the sketchbooks. And so sometimes there was places where things bled through, mm -hmm. the ink bled through to, and I cleaned up some of that in Photoshop um, for the originals, but like I could do it even more differently, like, or more clean up even more than I did if I went back and rescanned and went through and then it just became this like overwhelming thought. Like I, like I, I can't, I just like, I'm, I'm more interested in doing something new than, than um, like redoing this thing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think we'd all be better off if more people thought that way. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. So Small moment and clumsy, but I, I, I genuinely, genuinely curious because this is not an experience that I've I, I've had. Uh, how was attending a live taping of Jerry Springer? Do, do you remember that particular uh, I, episode? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it's it, you know, it's it's theater. <laughs> it's just theater. It's, you know, it's just like you're. And it's like the, in a way, the audience are also actors. And so, cause you're kind of getting given directions about like, like, like they have someone that is like getting you to cheer or to boo. And like, they, they have different levels of doing it sometimes. Like, you know, it's like really obvious, like someone's just up there clapping and then like, just gets everybody clapping. And sometimes it's a little more like subtle where there's just some, you just hear this boo like off to the side and then someone else is like yeah boo and and everyone jumps in and so it's it's just almost like you're like uh what would it be called when you like theater of like where you participate like uh oh and i'm sure there's a there it's mostly akin to a british pantomime that's the whole thing in british pantomimes where they they get the audience well i'm a theater professional in my day job so you, i, I ah. won't go on because i could um <laughs> but it, it it does remind me of the the british panto as a, a thing yeah 
Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's like interesting. It's, you know, it's also a little bit of like, you know, seeing how the sausage is made. So it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I used to be really into like real, like really bad reality TV. And so, you know, had, had to do it once. I, I, I mean, really day, like those daytime talk shows of like the, the, you know, nineties were, were our reality TV you know, when the channels were still limited. So absolutely. Is there, is there a moment that sticks out to you as the point where you transitioned from being the Jeffrey Brown who made these stories and, and, and others to the Jeffrey Brown who does stuff like, like Darth Vader and son and Batman and Robin and Howard. Um, I mean, it, like it, if you, Not if that I you look back, yeah, one, but yeah, I mean, if I look back, it seems like such a natural progression. Even in in the way the way I draw, like like if you look at if you put clumsy next to like um, like the most recent Star Wars book of Vader family Sithmas, and like look at the drawings, like it seems like oh, those are so different. But you know, step by step along the way, like it it just felt like a natural change. Um, and, you know, I was always doing like humorous parody kind of stuff, even when I was doing like, you know, I do these autobiographical books and then I do mini comics of mm-hmm. things. And I did the, the change bots books, my like transformers parody. And, um, and so in that sense, like, like it, it feels like just a, like us, a line, a continuous line, but um, really the, 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 I think like it was like 2012 is when um, the three books that I had were um, A Matter of Life, which is the, my autobiographical book about fatherhood and religion and being a dad and my dad being a minister. Um, and it was, you know, kind of stepping away from, from, romantic relationships and kind of getting into other relationships and ideas. And then that was also when I did Darth Vader and Son and the first Jedi Academy book. And so um, like, like all together, like that, that like just seemed like a, like a pivot in retrospect, like, like that was probably the, the moment where it changed because then I did, you know, I did, seven star wars books in in like four years and then that led to doing more middle grade stuff and all the way up to now doing like batman and robin and howard and still doing star wars and um yeah so i would i would say that was like like i mean yeah star wars was the was that moment where where it was just like a on the one hand seems like a like a 180 but it's also just seems like the, a natural step. Do you, do you see yourself doing more autobio stuff in the future? Do you feel, or do you feel like your, your dance card is, is full up with uh, plenty of other work at the moment? I mean, I feel like my dance card is full uh, and I have lots of projects like keeping me occupied. Um, I have started like, I mean, 
I went through a period where I like kind of stopped sketching so much in my sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, the only time I was drawing was drawing for projects and deadlines. And um, I've tried to get back to that. And so I've started doing, you know, mostly short one tiny one page things, like not, nothing super involved or heavy um, or at least not, yeah. I mean, some of them have been heavier than others, but um, but none of that has like, I haven't had any kind of inspiration or idea where it felt like this, this is an autobiographical book that I'd like to do. Like, um, and I, I don't feel the need to like push myself to like do that. Um, although sometimes I think like, it would be nice to like, what's the next thing? Like, I mean, um, being a parent and being married, I guess, are the, the two things now, but those like, it just doesn't feel like the right time or I don't have the right perspective, or I feel like I also, um, I end up dealing with a lot of that stuff in these other books. So like, you know, like Batman and Robin and Howard has a little bit about, you know, um, Bruce Wayne being dad to Damien Wayne and how Damien Wayne feels. And like, like that's a little bit of that is drawn from, you know, my relationship with my son becoming a teenager and, and um, you know, uh, like Darth Vader and son is, is about star Wars, but it's also very much like pulled from my life of being a dad. And so um. I feel like in a way I am still writing stuff that's autobiographical, but it's just like hidden under lots of costuming or something. So, yeah, I did actually want to talk a little bit about uh, Batman and Robin and Howard, you know, in prepping for this interview, I actually uh, ripped through my son's copy uh, gifted to him by my esteemed co-host as a Christmas gift. Uh, It's a, it's a delightful book. How did you, you know, obviously you've been doing, Star Wars stuff for a while. How did you uh, land this uh, DC gig? I guess when when did they really start this push? DC started this push for doing lots of kids books um, <laughs> or for books for younger readers. And they had two kind of um, uh, avenues. One was for younger readers and then one was more like teen YA um, mm-hmm. readers. And, and originally they were like separate imprints. I think now it's all under the umbrella of DC kids or, or it's, it's been shuffled around. Yeah. 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 So, so, but, um, but when they, when they started that um, they were just inviting lots of different people to, to pitch uh, ideas and things. And, um, and I was, I, you know, like I was always more of a Marvel guy, but um like I've always really liked Batman. And so I was like, oh, like I, if I could come up with an idea for Batman, like that, that would be great. And at first I was like, I don't, I, I've never thought about like really like what a Batman story would be, but I had this other idea that was kind of, um, just kind of like a, like a teenage high school story, like, I guess inspired by like, like, you know, all the late 90s teen movies, like um, She's All That and 10 Things I Hate About You. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just these high school comedies. Um, and 
and I realized like the, the, the core of that story, if I just made the one character Damian Wayne and, and then he's Robin and then his dad's Batman and then it just like kind of came together from there. And so, yeah. And so then I pitched that and um, they, they all uh, really liked the idea. So um, I think it was actually like, it ended up being with my schedule, it ended up being like a year or two before, like I actually really got down to working on it. And then once I did, it was like, um, it was like just the right time to do it. And I really, I had ended up having a lot of fun. I mean, obviously like drawing the scenes with Batman is, is, was going to be fun no matter what, but uh, like, I ended, I'm really happy with how it, how it turned out. Since you pitched it, then I assume that Damien was a character you had some affection for to begin with, because Damien is still very recognizable as Damien, but you sanded off some of Damien's rougher, more homicidal edges. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so I, you know, it was like, you know, reading all the Grant Morrison Batman comics. And I really liked like, you know, um, the, what he did with Frank Quitely and Chris Burnham and, and, you know, all this, all that stuff with, with Damien and, yeah. So, so I, and I guess the other, the other thing was Teen Titans Go, which also has like another, like very different interpretation of, of Robin. And, um, and so, and just in general, like the number of different versions of Batman there have been in, you know, not just film and TV, but just even within the comics, um, it felt like a, like the right way for me to to be able to like do dc characters but really like have my own spin um and with with damien specifically um yeah i i just tried to like find a more an entrance through the eyes of of like a like a like a young teenager instead of instead of like a superhero who is a teenager he's a teenager who's a superhero i guess and um so just you know thinking about like just trying to break him down into uh you know a kid who's going to have problems and like what but his problems are obviously different because his dad's batman and he's lives in a mansion and so um just kind of you know i think i don't want to say humanize him because like i think like there's there's other comics that have done that but um i think for my comic just you know just trying to like think of him as is like okay so if he's this this kid that and you just see the surface and you don't like him because he's like this this cocky and he's like you know just super angsty and super aggressive and and then you know peel like when you peel back the layers and and you you know, see like, like he, he can be vulnerable too. Um, so yeah. So that, and that's part of what like felt really right about the story for me was like getting to, to like make him just like a normal, more normal kid. It helped that you had Howard who was very much a high performing normal kid, but a normal kid to play foil to Damien. Yeah. Yeah. And that was always my, like, 
like the original idea I had was just the story about, you know, rivals and how, you know, you have these, if you have two kids who are like, are both like super, super good at everything. And, and then like, they like ones used to being the best and then finds out like there's someone that's better. And then everyone around those two sees like, Oh, why are you guys like always fighting and competing? Like you guys should be best friends. You're just like, you would totally be best friends forever. Um, and so, yeah. And so Howard was, was like kind of a way to like show things about Damien, but also like a way to like get Damien to, to change and grow. And then Howard gets to um, like have a little journey of his own also. Something I loved in the book, and I won't, I won't spoil the specifics of it because people really should read it, but uh, Batman is, is kind of taken off the field for a significant chunk of the book uh, in mm-hmm. a very hilarious manner. Uh, I, I, I messaged Matt earlier today. Uh, it reminded me there was an episode of uh, C-Lab 2021 where uh, Captain Murphy is trapped under a vending machine. And that's not, that's not what happened. That's not what I'm saying <laughs> happens to Batman, but it, it, it's got similar vibes. Uh, you know, one thing I was curious about, is there a specific Batman interpretation uh, across media, whether it's an era of the comics or, you know, a, one of the movies that feels like your Batman or, or sort of your platonic ideal of him. I mean, I, I, I tried to like, I feel like my Batman, how do I say this? Like, I don't want this to sound like I'm like bragging or something, but I feel like my, my Batman's kind of unique. Like I, I don't, or maybe there's a, like a, like a more humorous Batman that, but you know, like I, again, like going back to like basing him on myself, like he's like, you know, Batman is Robin's dad. And like, there's a moment where he like sits down with him and he's like, it's just super awkward. And that's all me, like putting me into Batman later. Like just like, like, okay, son, well, nice talking to you. Um, And the son's like, oh my God, like, please stop trying to have a conversation with me right now. Um, And so I think like, yeah, I think in the same way that I tried to, you know, like humanize Damien differently than I'd seen, um, I tried to do that with like Batman also, like, and just show him like he's, you know, he's he's probably a little more neurotic than than we've seen before. Um, as far as like my ideal, I mean, again, like that's one of the things I love about Batman is that there are so many different interpretations and. Um, you know, I can like, I kind of think that in a way, you know, like this, like the story of Batman is kind of becomes like a mythology, like, like we, when we read Greek and Roman mythology or, you know, diff, mytho- like different mythologies, like the, there's different versions of the stories. And so like, you know, like there's, in some stories, this happens and some stories, this happens and some stories like this God is like this. And I feel like, like superheroes can, can the comics can have that too. And I think Batman is probably, I don't know if there's another one really that has had the same kind of varied retellings that, that Batman has. There's a lot of soccer in this book. Are you a big soccer person? Is that something you share with your sons? 
Yeah. So I, um, I playing soccer is like my only exercise. So, um, and I, yeah, so I just played today actually, uh, for the first time in a, in a few weeks. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's something like that, that I feel more attached to. I mean, the, the sport I love to watch, watch most is hockey, but hockey's a lot more involved in terms of drawing. So you'll see in some of the Star Wars books, like, like, uh, there's, you know, obviously with an ice planet Hoth, like there, there's room for hockey a little more, but, um, with, with soccer, it's kind of like, uh, um, you can put it anywhere. And I think in the first version of the story, it was actually American football. Um, and, um, I don't know if it was my idea even, or it might've just been the editors. Like I may have said like, or it could be soccer. And then everyone was like, yes, make it soccer. Um, and I, so I guess I feel like, like internationally soccer has like more, um, more, uh, there's more people can connect to it than, than pretty much any, just about any other sport. And so it's one of the things I really, I play pickup soccer here and, and like people from all over the world, like basically. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to, to me. So I absolutely see the league of assassins having a very deadly intramural soccer league. Yeah. Yeah, they say I, I only play pickup because league is too competitive and aggressive, but they would definitely be like they'd be in the league. They're taking people out. Um, yeah, red cards all around <laughs> in those games. If the ref sees, <laughs> do not mess with Talia Al Ghul's soccer team. <laughs> Now, uh, you, you, you mentioned hockey. Uh, we are heading into the playoffs. Do you have a, uh, a dog in the fight? I, I don't. Being, a, being from Michigan, I'm still a Red Wings fan. So um, although we had lots to, to be happy about this year with, with Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond, um, uh, we did not make the playoffs. Uh, my prediction was... Uh, it's going to be Florida, Colorado with Florida winning the Stanley cup this year. So we'll see. I'm usually wrong. So (laughs) my preseason prediction was Toronto. So I I feel like if they, if they win, it still counts, even though my, my prediction today was not then. Got to hedge your bets. That's that's yeah. Um, there's 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 a moment in the book that I appreciated where Howard engages in some light uh, Batman discourse and, and says if he was really generous he could give money and not make people name things after him and it just seemed so astute because you know I see I see people having arguments like this on Twitter like I don't know it comes around every few months but you're not even really active on Twitter so <laughs> yeah I, I've avoided Twitter for the most part. Good for like you a, and, and Facebook. <laughs> like I, I post on Instagram, but I'm, I'm bad at, like, I don't always respond to people. In fact, I like have a whole bunch of messages I need to respond to, but um, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, I think um, 
I think that was actually based on something like our our oldest son said at dinner, um, Oscar, one time where because my wife has worked with nonprofits and I think was talking about like a building being named. And I think he said something along those lines of like, <laughs> why don't they just give the money and then not name it? Um, so. Now, uh, did, did you and your children actually try to make the, uh, the gelatin cell recipe? We did. How'd it turn out? <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it, I, I think after making it, I realized like um, some things could have been done differently. But yeah, like the, the candy did not all hold up the way I thought it would. And um, I think in retrospect, it seems obvious, but like, you know, like peppermint inside of red gelatin with like, you know, Twizzlers and jelly bellies. Yeah, in retrospect, the combination of, of red, red gelatin and peppermint and, you know, Twizzlers and licorice, like um, the, the combination was not additive. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just the taste didn't just get better and better with each candy we added so yeah yeah simon simon tried it first and he and he like his response was like what you're crazy like this is gonna be great <laughs> and um yeah i now now i wish i could remember because i had some like thoughts about what to do differently next time but haven't haven't been inspired to try it again and you it looks great it it did (laughs) yeah it looks good so so don't try that with logan dan (laughs) i might (laughs) we'll see uh uncle matt will have to come by and give it a shot with you um you i read somewhere in an interview you do you have a, a sequel deal or a sequel in the works or just sort of the potential for a sequel yeah, I mean, I think um, technically we have a, well, I think technically I have, I have a deal to do another book with DC and then it's a question of what it is and when it is. So I, ha- I had an idea and I sent that in and then I was thinking, and cause I originally, I was like, oh, I don't want I just want to do one Batman book and then I'm going to do something else. And then I realized like, Oh, but I like I, I now I kind of want to do something with them again. So then I like I was like I was like for, forget I sent that, and then I um I kind of re re did the idea as as a sequel, and so um yeah I I mean I I don't think they're in any rush for me to do it, and I'm not in any rush. Like I've like mm-hmm. so it's just like we'll see when the schedules align and and everything, and I'm sure it'll like just come together like that again one, one last note uh this the week this episode of wmq drops uh we'll be covering batman robin and howard on my other show oh. chat with matt and will where we talk about three batman stories every week and rank them on an ever-expanding list of batman stories uh spoiler even my damien hating co-host will nevin like this book so everybody out there come and listen to our episode and then read <laughs> batman robin and howard uh, but 
with with that final bit of self-promotion uh we're gonna transition briefly into a little bit of star wars yeah um how did start the the first vader and son gig come about i cannot imagine star wars is the easiest nut to crack when it comes to getting into that world yeah i mean especially now with with disney um owning them but um even so i started before that and <laughs> even then i like i knew that it wasn't just like you can just say like hey st- hey lucasfilm i have an idea for star wars like um but what happened was so uh I had met years ago through, through comics, like um, the guy who runs the Google Doodle team, which um, normally they have this internal team who does the doodles for the home Google homepage for different occasions. But every once in a while, they'll invite an outside artist to, to do something. And so they had an idea for Father's Day of using Luke Invader and they had they had been talking to Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm was was on board, and their idea was just how awkward an everyday father son moment would be. <laughs> um, and because my autobiographical books were all about the most awkward everyday moments, and I I had also become a dad, and I had also done humorous science fiction stuff, mm-hmm. and so um, they called me up and said like like we have this idea, you know, like it's like like what if Luke and Vader were just like out grocery shopping or, you know, having family dinner and would you do some sketches? And, um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Cause drawing star Wars is one of my, like, you know, was childhood dream, like number one or two probably. Um, and I went home and since my son Oscar was four at the time, I was like, oh, Luke should be four. And then Vader's just in my shoes, like trying to get him to pick up his toys and go to bed and um, did like a dozen sketches, like the, the ideas of which are pretty much all in, in the book. Um, and I sent them to Google and they're like, like, like literally that night I did them and so like when he got to his inbox the next morning, they were waiting there and um, they liked them. But in the end, I like, I, I, don't, I don't know the official um, process of, mm-hmm. of why they decided not to use them. But I, my feeling was like, they felt like it was too much. A, it was feeling too much like a commercial for Star Wars than just something with Star Wars. Um, so they ended up not using the idea, but and there, and I was like, um, maybe I'll just, you know, make a mini comic that I can give out to friends. Cause I knew I didn't want to like try and sell something and <laughs> go down that road. But I also knew I didn't want to like change it. So it was like a parody. I wanted to use the actual stuff. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just do like a free mini comic. I can print up a few, give to friends, but I had done the, some books with Chronicle and I knew Chronicle had done a bunch of books with, with Lucasfilm and star wars and so i asked my editor i was like i've got this thing and it was like an idea for google they didn't use it and i was thinking maybe i could make it into a book and so um chronicle ended up taking it and so it's a little easier when the publisher who has a relationship with with lucasfilm or disney like has something that they like they're like we we'd like to do a book about this or with this or that um and so chronicle took 
took it to Lucasfilm and it, um, people there liked it. It turned out like one of the people I had even done artwork for, um, illustration artwork for uh, his girlfriend. And he knew my, also knew my like autobiographical books. And so it was just um, like the perfect timing. Um, and so Lucasfilm was like, yeah, let's, let's do, let's do this book. So that was, and that became Darth Vader and son. And then while I was um, working on Darth Vader and son, uh, Scholastic had gone to Lucasfilm and was like, we want to do, you know, like a, he a heavily illustrated middle school set in the Star Wars universe book, um, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but set in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And um, my editor on the Vader and Son, uh, Jonathan Rinsler, um, said like, oh, you should talk to Jeff and see if see if it'd be something he'd be in, interested in. And so then it was like, the, the Scholastic came to me and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea too. So, and yeah, and just from there, it was just, yeah. Four, four years of pretty much nothing but Star Wars and still do at least a little Star Wars every year since, so. Did you keep up with the Jedi Academy series after your, after you left the other books in the series from other creators? I've, I read how many, like there's like nine of them. I think, yes, I think I've only read like the next four. So oh. I never actually finished it because um, Oscar kind of like grew out. Like, so we read the first couple together and then like the third one, like, like I think he didn't even finish with me. Um and so then he just grew out of it. And so it's probably something I should, I should read with Simon because he's probably at the right age for it. So does that, so were you at all asked or informed that Rowan was going to show up in the final book? I, I had an idea. I had an idea. Yeah. Okay. Like um, Jarrett like gave me a heads up, like just like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So yeah. What is what is your your turnaround time on a book these days? Is it you know pretty rote from project to project, or or you know does it vary? It it varies quite a bit, um, and it's it's also weird because like I'm usually working in multiple projects at once. So like like when I was doing um, the Vader books and Jedi Academy at the same time, I would say each book took me about a year, but I was working on both at the same time. And what it would be is, you know, I, I would try to stagger which part of which book I was wor working on. So I'd be working on the first draft, which is like more like the writing side of Jedi Academy while I'm drawing the final artwork for one of the Vader books. And then when I'm doing the final artwork for Jedi Academy, I'd be doing like the sketches for ideas of the next Vader book. So, um, and sometimes it goes way faster than I expect. And sometimes it takes longer. Like the, the Lucy and Andy Neanderthal series I did, mm -hmm. um, the first book took two years because it was figuring out new characters and a new way of, of storytelling because I was including all this research. And so, um, 
Whereas like the third Jedi Academy book, I did one rough draft and then went straight to the final art. Like the first Lucy Annie book took three rough drafts and then the final art. And, mm. um, and so in general, like the more, the further along I go in the, in a series of books like that, the faster it goes. So like Vader family Sithmas took way, way less time than um, like Vader and son. Um I mean, partially because like it's like I've drawn Darth Vader so many times at this point. It's like just, sure. it goes pretty fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in general, nine months to a year is about whether it's one of the middle grade books or one of like the shorter Vader books, which the middle grade books are take more on the writing side. And then the Vader books take more on the illustration side. Sure. Thank you for teaching me the proper way to press Neanderthal in those books, which has made me <laughs> absolutely sound like so pretentious when playing the, the game uh, Poetry for Neanderthals, with, which is a, a party game that I've played with my game night group. And they're like, just, just pronounce it the way the game pronounces it. Like, but it's wrong. How, how do you schedule this stuff around you know, your children, your family and leave time for Jeffrey. And, and I don't, you know, I'm not even talking about creative time, obviously, you know, that's the work, but like, you know, personal turn your brain off and just exist for a minute time. Um, I, I mean, I leave myself probably not nearly as much of that <laughs> as I should. Um, it's probably not psychologically healthy in the long run, but um, yeah, I mean, I, so I, I found this place to play, pick up soccer during lunch hours. Mm -hmm. And so like three days a week, usually I'll, I'll go play soccer for an hour and, and like, usually I can just forget about stuff and come back somewhat refreshed. And, um, um, and there's an ebb and flow and from working in projects. So sometimes I'm, I'm waiting around for editors to get back or like, with, with Disney, because every, every stage of all the Star Wars books is approved. So there's, there's times where I'm like, I'm just waiting for them to just give the okay so I can move on to the next part of, of making the book. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, you know, I just, I, I've tried to stop working on weekends as much. Um, the last couple of years, not nearly as much promotion with no, no travel. And so school sure. visits were non-existent for the past year. And I've just started doing some of that again. Um, but yeah, I, it, you know, it's just like, there's no, there's no like set way of doing it. So it's just like, it just ebbs and flows and changes from depending on what all's is happening so but yeah the, the i try to i try to keep doing the soccer try to not work so much on the weekends um i still i feel like as i've gotten older i'm i don't you know stay up quite as late as i used to <laughs> as often as i used to so but you know like some nights like you know if every, if i can get everyone to bed by 9 9:30 um you know, come up and work for a few hours, especially like once I get into the rhythm of things, like, like then I just, I do want to work more. And so, 
how is we're coming on the next of the space time books? Is th- that's the conclusion of a trilogy? So, so space time was was actually a victim of of COVID in a way. Um, so the first book came out uh, like like a month or two after everything shut down, and um, the like. So all the promotion that was planned didn't happen. It was like so we had a free comic book day thing and i did the free comic book day shirt and that was delayed and then when it did happen was very like scattered um and so sales sales just weren't 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 great for the first first book um Mm. uh they and so with the so originally i had i had a plan for four books and um, the second book, I kind of rewrote the ending to kind of, so it's like, it, I guess, theoretically, the story could continue, but it's, it's much less of a cliffhanger than it originally was, was planned because there was supposed to be like more things happening with the robots and getting thrown off into deep space and um, um, which is, you know, like, on the one hand, I was like, it's, it's, was frustrating to have to like set those characters aside and like not get to continue their journey. But um, then what, one of the things I'd been wanting to, I'd been wanting to write like an epic fantasy, like Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Rings kind of story for a long time. And so I was like, well, I like have this, this break between that project and like the things that I was lining up next. Um, and so I just kind of um, spent time doing that on my own without having like a contract or a deadline or like any kind of like thinking about what the publisher might want or, um, and so I've just been working on that on my, on my own, which has been kind of like fun for a change. It's been a while since I've had a book where um, I could, kind of dive into it self-directed and um, not feel like the same pressures when, you know, when you have a book coming out and you're worried about while I'm writing it, I'm worried about how it's going to sell or what the feedback is going to be. So it's kind of like working, working for myself, I guess, in a way, like kind of like, I guess when, like when I was doing the autobiographical books, like it's just kind of just doing this thing that, I guess I'll send out into the world eventually, but um, you know, there's a different kind of pressure when it's just doing it on your own and and don't have other voices kind of, whether real or imagined, um, kind of telling you what you should be doing. Well, that that that's excellent, and uh, you know, it's good that you're getting to do that. What is what's the most interesting thing that you've gotten to do apart from making comics? Um, yeah, I mean, I've like I feel like I've done like a I've been able to do a lot of interesting things. I guess mm-hmm. the 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 two things um, are probably one is doing the animated video with Death Cab for Cutie, mm-hmm. and then of the other, well, there's two other things. I guess there's three things. Um, the next thing would be co-writing the the screenplay and doing the artwork for um, for a film, Save the mm-hmm. Date, um, and then that debuted at 
uh, Sundance and that was like a whole experience. And then I actually was developing a animated show with a friend um, and <laughs> we spent, spent years um, working on it and got to the point where um, we had sold it to 20th Century Fox and they developed it with us more and then we took it around to sell it and um, nobody, nobody picked it up. So mm. it's, but we did end up with like a couple of short scenes animated and um, I learned a ton about like the whole process of, of how TV shows are pitched and things. And it was, um, and it was, it was just kind of a fun experience, even if like in the end, nothing bigger came out of it, but um, I, like, I'm really glad that I, I had that opportunity. Now, do you have any uh, sort of book signing or, or, or show appearances coming up with uh, Relationship Trilogy coming out? Yeah, so um, let's see, what do I have coming up? I'm, I'm gonna be at Heroes Con, wait, but now is that before or after the new date release date? Yeah, so that's, yeah, so um, uh, like June 24th, 25th, 26th, Heroes Con in North Carolina. So I was supposed to go there the, um, two years ago and then it, they, it was canceled. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited because I like that's, I've always loved that show. Um, and I'll be at C2E2 Ooh. here in Chicago in August. Um, there's an outside chance I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con, but I don't, um, I don't know about that one. And then um, the small press expo in Maryland in uh, September, I'll, I'll be there, which, which is, I'm, I was another show that I always love. And it was the first convention I went to, um, it was actually, it was supposed to be the first convention I went to, and then it, um, got canceled because no one could fly to, uh, Washington DC, um, and, uh, after nine 11. Right. Uh, so, but I ended up going the next year as my first show and, and, for a while was going every year and then I guess as I got kids and into other stuff like started to like scale back on how many shows I was doing but yeah so I've like at least three this this year which will hopefully if everything's everything stays um calm on the on the COVID front yes knock on what I believe to be actual wood. <laughs> um, penultimate question. Uh, what are you reading right now? I'm reading the every by Dave Eggers, oh, okay. which is his like, so he did a book called the circle, which is kind of like about this woman working at a, a Google esque kind of company. <laughs> and this is kind of a follow-up where that company is now expanded into Google and Amazon and whatever all together. And um, so, yeah, I just started reading that. So it's, it's, and what else am I reading? Oh, I wish I could remember. Uh, I just read something else that I just finished it. And it's like, brain is um, read it. And then it's like, there's no space. It's gone. Um, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> so I don't know what the, I, it's weird. Cause it's like, oh, I really like that book. I was, 
I really <laughs> enjoyed reading it. What is? I don't know. If I went down and looked at the shelf, I would know. But you'll think you'll think about it like thirty yeah. minutes. Yeah, after exactly. we, long after we yeah. recorded, and that's yeah. Fine. My new my new thing is like like trying to think of someone's name, and then a week later, it's like that's it. <laughs> that's the name. Just sit at the dinner table. Rick. But then it's then it's too late because then I'm like it's like you know what do I do turn to my wife and be like, honey, remember remember like a week ago and we were talking about this thing, and I was trying to think of the guy's name. I just, just like no idea what you're talking about. Um, yeah, that's I don't know. I guess that's that's part of uh, the the whole getting older thing. Well, uh, Jeffrey, this has been uh, a great time. Final question before we let you go. How can people keep up with everything that you've got going on right now? Um, well, they could stalk me, but I prefer not uh, that. <laughs> sure. So um, instead, just uh, uh, the, the best way is probably on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. So at Jeffrey Brown RQ. And I would say my website, if I was like <laughs> more, if I, if I was a better about updating it. It's on my list of things to do is to like update and list all those appearances on my, my website. So maybe, maybe I'll do that um, this, this week or next week. Um, um, so, and that's uh, jeffreybrowncomics.com. Excellent. Jeffrey, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom. Chris is on Infinite Earths and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. Uh, P.S. Matt and Will, sorry I made you read White Knight again. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our new bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Kat Purcell from ComicsXF, Liz Large from ComicsXF, Will Nevin from ComicsXF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, the Forceworks character Century was apparently part of Combo Man. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.